Hey everybody, welcome to West Seattle Christian Church Online. If you're new, welcome. If not, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about the actionable practice of silence uh, and solitude in order to be more like Jesus, so that you can become more aware of God's presence throughout your day, your week, and your life. So we're going to look at some scriptures, some stories, uh, and the life of Jesus first, but Stick around to the end where I'm going to take you through a spiritual formation exercise that the greater church has been using uh, for the past 500 years. Let's start with a question. When is the last time you've been alone? And I mean truly alone, where all you had was yourself. You weren't asleep, you were calm and at rest. No TV, no radio, no podcast, uh, no phone in your hand or a screen in your face. Nobody around you. And all you had was yourself and your thoughts and God. I'm not talking about the type of alone that makes you feel isolated and that nobody cares about you. I'm talking about uh, Psalm, the Psalm 4610 type of alone, the be still and know that I am God type of aloneness. Aloneness that is good for you. Aloneness that grounds you. Aloneness that leaves you feeling full and alive afterward, like you're tapped with endless purpose and strength. What I'm getting at here is a time that you've had to plan because this type of time doesn't happen by accident. You have to want it. You have to be intentional about making it happen. It's a spiritual formation practice that we actually see in the life of Jesus. And if we're being real about our desire to be more like Jesus, then it's a practice we can't ignore. It's a practice that leads to personal renewal. And I think that's something that a lot of us really want, to be renewed each day. And Jesus is in the business of renewal. Instead, we wait for a vacation or a weekend to help us accomplish something that needs to be a more regular rhythm and practice if we want it to bear the fruit of Christ-likeness in our lives. What if you took time out weekly or daily to practice being alone in order to be renewed and to become aware of God's presence in your life. Uh, I've been reading a lot about habits uh, that these last few years, there's been a lot of books out there on the topic like Tiny Habits, Atomic Habits, The Power of Habit, The Creative Habit, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, You Are What You Love, uh, and anything by Adam Grant. And at some time or another, nearly all of these resources talk about taking time to be alone, of disconnecting from the grind in order to reconnect with God or with who you are. Basically, they're getting at the idea that there's more to life than all the stuff that takes up your immediate attention. And taking a pause, in the case of the follower, of followers of Jesus, I would call this a sacred pause. It's like a holy act of making space, space, margin, boundaries, like a buffer zone around a period of time that you set aside to be in God's presence and listen to His voice. There are a lot of other disciplines that help with this as well, like taking a longer retreat or going for prayer walks or prayer hikes or fasting. But what I want to draw your attention to today right now is the idea of simply scheduling an intentional moment to be alone for a while. This will probably mean telling others who are close to you in your life, like your family, that you want to do this and you need to they, you need their help to do this especially if you got kids and if you're working as well you got to talk to your spouse and don't feel guilty about this this is why our culture has been shifting to a four-day work week slowly because there's too much work and why there's so much blowback after two years of working from home during covid and businesses are asking employees to come back and they're like no i don't want to because 
when working from home, time is freed up and it gives people the potential for more space and margin in their lives. So first off, I'd like to address uh, those of you who think this simply cannot be done in your life. I want to ask you to be open to this, to maybe treat it as an experiment. But mostly I want you to look at it from the perspective of scripture, from the life of Jesus. Making space in your life to be alone with God is essentially an act of trust. And so you have to ask yourself, do I trust God? Like Psalm 31, 14 and 15 says, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. In other words, the psalmist is expressing faith and trust that God will care for us even when we hit pause and take a time out. That's also echoed in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, which says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Another classic scripture about this comes from Jesus himself in Matthew 6, 6. The same section of scripture we talked about last week when we talked about peacemaking in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says this. He says, whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door. In other words, be alone. Jesus practiced the discipline of being alone by himself in order to commune with God and create space, presumably also for his mental health. In the Gospel of Mark alone, there are several examples like right in a row uh, in the scriptures, in the narrative there. Mark 4, verse 35 through 36. Mark, Mark 6, verses 30 through 32. Jesus, in that one, has one of my favorite lines. He says, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Mark 6, 45 through 46. Mark 7, verse 24. Mark 9, verse 30 through 31. I think you get the point. So what we see here are several ways in which Jesus, he retreats to be in silence and solitude and prayer. He does it before and after meeting with large crowds. He does it before and after he does his work, if you will. He models it for his disciples, and then he calls them to do it with him. And it echoes God's narrative in the Old Testament as well, where you can look at any major figure of God, like Moses or Elijah, and they, they often go to solitary places to hear the voice of God. Maybe you're still not convinced this is necessary or would be beneficial to you. So let me ask you a few questions along those lines. Why is silence so hard for us to deal with? Do you ever surround yourself with noise intentionally? Are you aware that you're doing that? Why do you do it? I mean, when was the last time you really spent some time alone in solitude and silence? The psalmist says again in Psalm 4:4, search your hearts and be silent. And we can come at it another way. Do you, want, do you want God's voice to be louder in your life? Do you, want it, do you want his voice to be more clear in your life? Does all the noise in your life make it hard to hear God, to feel his presence? How much time do you intentionally give to being still and listening to God? And what are the things that actually are the noises and distractions in your life? What could you change? Could you delete some of that static from your life? Like the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, verse 11. He, God, says to him, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. 
When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Is the essence of your reality on this issue of silence and solitude that you've really been looking for God, but looking for him in the winds? You've been scanning for him and searching for him in the earthquakes and the fires of your life, but he's been there all along waiting for you to find him in the silence. Does your time, your life, your schedule paint a picture of someone who wants to hear God's voice? If we're going to become like Jesus and do the things he did for the reasons he did them, and he was the son of God who took time out to be with God on purpose, should we not make this a priority in our own lives? Jesus himself says directly to his disciples, which includes me and it includes you. He says in Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Even if hearing God's voice and sensing his presence weren't enough, Jesus simply says, look, come to me and spend time with me and I will give you rest. Do you want rest? I will leave you to ponder those questions and hopefully you will talk about them with a fellow follower of Christ and how you want to take action on your answers to those questions. But before I wrap it up here, I want to give you a practical way to spend some time in silence and prayer when you actually do plan some time to retreat into silence and solitude. And it's called the Prayer of Eximen. Uh, the Prayer of Eximen is a daily spiritual exercise that's been credited to, credited to St. Ignatius of Loyola. He lived from 1491 to 1556. He encouraged Jesus followers to engage in the practice, uh, in this practice for developing a deeper level of spiritual sensitivity and for recognizing and receiving the help of the Holy Spirit. At the heart of the practice is the ability to become increasingly aware of God's presence and the Holy Spirit's movement in your life throughout every day. So the heart of the prayer of eximen is the act of remembering. It's all about remembering. And the way you do that is through four practices or, or what are called portions. And those are presence, gratitude, review, and response. And what you do is you concentrate on life experiences, remembering your encounters from the, la from the last 24 hours. It's meant to be really simple. It's more like a general guideline than following like an exact recipe or prescription. So if say you're in the portion about gratitude, like the, the portion about gratitude feels really important for you tomorrow, then you can feel free to spend all or most of your time practicing gratitude when you do this tomorrow. The purpose to, is to increase awareness and sensitivity, not to finish or accomplish this time or task. The first thing you need to do for this really to work is you need to find or go to a comfortable and quiet location where you can reflect without distraction. And you don't have to spend a certain amount of time on this. Practicing all four portions of this, presence, gratitude, review, and response, it can take you as little as five minutes, 10 minutes. Some portions could be short while others could be really long. And you can journal your thoughts and reflections or write out what you notice during uh, this time of prayer or not, whatever works for you. One really helpful thing though at the end of this practice uh, is to think about sharing your experience of practicing this prayer of eximen. This is good because it allows encouragement and insight from others to influence you and to cheer you on and to, you can encourage each other to keep up with the practice of silence and solitude. Now, the first of the four portions of the prayer of eximen is presence, like I said before. 
And you begin this practice by just recognizing the presence of God, that He's here with you. Remind yourself of God's presence with you and His desire to be with you. And pray for the Holy Spirit to help you be attentive to God's presence, to become more focused. It might be helpful to repeat certain Psalms, like Psalm 4610, that just says, Be still and know that I am God. Repeat it over and over and over again. It's important to begin this practice in a calm and centered state. There may be days when you'll need the entire time to remember and focus on the nearness of God, and that's all you do. Don't rush past this portion. Take the necessary time to wait and find comfort in God's presence. So here's a prescriptive prayer that you could pray for this time. Gracious God, in these moments, please remind me of your presence and generosity and give me the wisdom and courage to live gracefully with myself, others, and the world that you have wonderfully made. For the sake of Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. So all you're doing there again is taking some time to focus on the nearness of God. Open yourself to his presence. It might help to recall another psalm, Psalm 145.9, which says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he's made. Or a little bit later in verse 18, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Well, the next part of the prayer of Exodus is gratitude. So you practice presence and you practice gratitude. As you think about the last 24 hours, what causes you to be thankful? Look back over the past day, the big and small aspects of life, and recognize what reasons you have to be grateful. Focus on those experiences and encounters, helping your mind and spirit center on the goodness and generosity of God. Uh, if you are using a journal, consider writing down your thanks, uh, writing it down, expressing words of gratitude and giving testimony to God's faithfulness and His generosity to you. Um, find encouragement and reminders of God's goodness and be thankful for that. Look back over the last 24 hours and just ask that question again. What are you most grateful for? What makes you feel thankful? And don't get all uh, flowery language about it. Just use simple words to express your gratitude to God. Maybe a good scripture to recall during this time is Ephesians 1.3, which says, Praise be to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. The third portion of the prayer of Exodus is review. Overpacked lives kind of rob us of the opportunity to learn from the past, to like to even to think back to yesterday and how that might inform what you do today. Think of how many times you've you've asked yourself, where'd all the time go? More and more I have conversations with people where they're struggling to remember what they did just like a week ago or a few days ago. And really, there's this huge benefit when we take the time to look back over the past 24 hours and, and remember all your interactions and responses and feelings and intentions. When you do this, you can inform uh, what you want to do with your future self. You can learn to avoid letting the days speed by and blur together. You, you can set a sacred pause to learn more about yourself, and about God's activity in your life. So when you do this, you try to look back objectively as you review. So don't try, instead of trying to interpret what you did or justify or rationalize your actions, the intent of this is only to observe and remember. So just allow your mind to wander the situations you've been in and to notice the details. Here are some questions for this portion of the Prayer of Eximen that can help you bring some specific experiences of the last 24 hours to mind. So 
Here's the first one. When or where in the past 24 hours were you cooperating most fully with God's action in your life? And vice versa, when were you resisting? What habits and life patterns do you notice from the past day? A solid scripture that can act as an anchor for this review portion of the prayer of Exodus is Psalm 143, uh, verse 8, the first part of verse 8, and then verse 10. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Well, the last practice of, of the portion of the uh, prayer of Exodus is response. After after you spent some time remembering, it seems natural to want to respond in some way, to take time to journal or to pray, to express your thoughts on the actions and attitudes and feelings and interactions and intentions that you remembered as part of this exercise. You might need to seek forgiveness. You might need to ask for direction. You might need to share a concern or express gratitude or resolve to make changes and move forward. Allow your observations to then guide your responses. So here are some questions to help you prompt you uh, in this part of the prayer of Exodus. Beginning today, how do you want to live your life differently? What patterns do you want to keep living tomorrow? And here's a possible prayer to pray out loud. Ever-present Father, help me to meet you in the scriptures I read, in the prayers I say, in the bread I break, and the meals I share, in my investments at work, and my enjoyments at play, and in the neighbors and family I welcome, love, and serve for your sake, and that your love and peace may reign now and forevermore. Amen. And a pertinent scripture to spend some time uh, reading during this last portion of the exercise might be Hebrews 13, uh, verse 20 and 21. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. May you have a faith that trusts God will meet you in silence. May you have a faith that is resilient because you've built up spiritual muscles by meeting God in solitude. May you know a new and profound sense of peace as you learn to slow down and not rush through life. May you take up the actionable practice of silence and solitude in order to be more like Jesus so that you can become more aware of God's presence throughout each and every day. I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus and produce good fruit, my friends.